love you, but... Right there to our immediate left, we have uh, all the folks gathering for the uh, annual Saxon concert. You've got people who really are into the occult and into Satan. They're propagating Satan, and I think it's a devastating thing. Cows meet up. What's your favorite total metal video? Zuckerberg and Gates and Buffett, amateurs can fucking suck it, fuck their wives, drink their blood. Come on, Jeff, get up! Who's winning a wrestling match, Lemmy or God? Lemmy. Ah, God. Wrong, dickhead. Trick question. Lemmy is God. Such a fine line between stupid and, and clever. And we're gonna be at the Wilson Theater tonight with Slayer. You're gonna be there too, right? Oh! Ah. Happy New Year! It's 2022, and we're talking about an album from 1991. <laughs> so yeah, welcome everybody to Somewhere in Time Podcast. Somewhereintimepodcast.com is where you find us online. All of our episodes streaming there, links to our social media pages, everything, all the good stuff is there. So, I am Eric, we've got Tim here, Yo. we've got Keith here. Hola. And Joe is not here. Joe was unfortunately not able to make this episode, but that is okay. We will go on without him, as difficult as that will be. So this episode, we are talking about a little album called Nevermind, you may have heard of. It came out in 1991 by a band called Nirvana. Um, let's go ahead and let's play the big one first. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's what the, the album starts with, so yeah. it makes sense. You may have heard this one before. I'm going to stop it there, because everyone knows this song. I don't yeah. need to play the whole thing. <laughs> I think everyone one. could easily hum it in their heads. Yeah. You know, and even sing the lyrics, most of them. <laughs> some of them, although I looked these lyrics up and I was... <laughs> I said, what? Yeah, some of these it, lyrics, yeah. Yeah, some of them are a little non, 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 nonsensical. Yes, yeah, for sure. And I, I had no idea he was saying some of this stuff. I know. <laughs> what? All I right, always so, figured, you know, the whole, like... You know, a mulatto, an albino, a mosquito. Like, that was, one of them was the albino, and one of them was a mosquito, but which one? Because <laughs> then it's like, you know what? It probably isn't it, because who gives a rat's fucking ass if Dave Grohl is the mulatto or the mosquito? It, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, uh. I mean, if you played a game where you're like, okay, what lyrics are these from? And it was, load up on guns, bring your friends, it's fun to lose and to pretend she's overboard and self-assured. Oh no! I know a dirty word. Would you know that was the, the self-assured? Yes, yes, yeah, probably. Would, yeah, probably. Well, the first. Oh two no, lines. a dirty word. I mean that. Yeah. Yeah. Load up on guns. Bring your friends. It's fun to lose and to pretend. I didn't know he was saying load up on guns I, until I. I there's. I'll play this a little bit when we get into the songs. But yeah, there's a there's a performance they did in England, I believe, where he. <laughs> it was all backtracking except for the vocals and the way he sung it was hilarious okay <laughs> anyway <laughs> that's <pretty> um, awesome <clears throat> yeah it's hilarious so this band is obviously kurt cobain vocals guitars um chris novoselic on bass 
and Dave Grohl on drums and backing vocals. Oh, and Chris Novoselic is vocals on territorial pissings. Well, vocals. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, album was produced by Butch Vig and mixed by Andy Wallace. And there's an interesting thing about that um, that we can talk about right now, actually. So, apparently the mix by Andy Wallace, Kurt Cobain wasn't super happy with. Although, there's like mixed reports about this because Butch Vig was saying, well... He was happy when it, with it when we did the album, but I think he's he later was like too cool to admit that it was a good mix or something. I don't know. But there's another mix of this album, which is just basically the Butch Vig and no Andy Wallace mixing, and it's called the Devonshire Mix, and that was up, up on their 25th anniversary, I think, or 20th anniversary of the album. There's a whole box set that came out with that album, and there's another mix of the album. <clears throat> so... It does sound a little different. Um, there's there's some songs that sound... There, there's actually some songs that are completely different. Some of the stuff on there is completely different. Um, like Territorial Pissings doesn't have doesn't even have the opening thing that Chris Novoselic does. The, you know, the come on people now, spell on your brother. That's not even there <laughs> on that mix. So you might like it better if you don't like that. It's on, it's on YouTube <laughs> if anybody wants to yes. dig it up. Just look up Devonshire Mix. You'll find it. Yep. It's on there. So... Um, but yeah, so, um, I mean, production-wise, if we're just talking the album that we're all familiar with, I think it sounds great. Oh um, yeah, it sounds awesome. You you not you you had a, a, a this this album revolutionized you know the, the industry itself. Uh, I mean, it, it it changed everything. So of course yeah. it sounds good. Well, I think <laughs> even even if it didn't sound as good as you yeah. know, a different mix or whatever. When we first heard this goddamn shit when it came out, that was that was just it blew our heads off, you know. It that's I, a I don't weird know, thing. It did, it is it a weird did, thing, but it, is it yeah, I don't I don't feel like it did quite that. I just felt I, like it was another good ninety one album that I was playing in my Toyota Corolla. <laughs> and next thing you know, it's like, Have you heard that fucking Nirvana album? And you're like, I've heard that and the Voivod album and the Soundgarden album and the Metallica. Yeah, I've heard all these <laughs> albums. What 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 about that one? That's amazing. Like it Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's, it's an awesome album. But I don't know, it's, it's a weird thing. I, I, yeah. I didn't expect it to do what it did, I guess is my point. Right. I, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, let's face it. I don't think Kurt did either. Yeah. You know? Definitely not. But, no. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, that's the other thing that, like, doing research for this album, like, he, he of their material, he, he wasn't a huge fan of this album, actually. Like, mm-hmm. he said, going back and listening to it, he's like, I still like the lyrics and I still like, you know, some of the musical parts, but overall, like it's an okay album to me. So like, I think that was around the time they were recording in utero. So, um, but again, that's a lot of that may be him just like, yeah. Trying to kind of soften like the effect. Yeah. Yeah. He struggled with that whole thing, just the popularity aspect. And it's not just a little punk band anymore. It's this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a weird thing. Yeah. I know. The the fact that he became the uh poster the icon child? or the uh Yeah. The poster yeah, child for Grunge. For, 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 I mean, I, yeah. Uh, let's I mean let's face it, we don't need to rehash that dead end story because I think it's been done. The funny thing that I've like specifically to this song, apparently he was deliberately trying to rip off the Pixies. Huh. 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I don't nece- know that I necessarily hear it that much, but okay, it makes sense. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know enough Pixies to really know, but... There's, we'll get into some other stuff where they stole some uh, riffs from other bands. There's a whole thing about yeah. that with, with one of the songs. It's pretty funny. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll yeah. get to that. Let's get yeah. to that. Yeah. Well, let's talk. I mean, there's there's a huge thing we should talk about with the album cover, right? Of course, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so we should probably get into that before we get into the songs and, and yeah. stuff like that. So, you know, everybody knows if you're if you're a fan of rock music at all, you know the album cover, what it, what it is, you know. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's. I, I guess what they were going for with the album cover was like, just you're born with greed, I guess, or everyone's like, is it capitalism? What is like? What do you guys think the album cover means when you're looking at it? Like, I, it's a kid you know, I, underwater <laughs> chasing a dollar. So are we always chasing money, or like, I, I don't know. There's, there's I, I, I I don't really think about album covers as just some kind of artistic meaning <laughs> and for me i'm just like oh man let's put a baby naked in the water and you know chasing a dollar yeah so I mean, uh, but obviously the big the big story recently has been the, the kid who i guess his name is spencer eldon who was portrayed on the album cover as a baby is now an adult obviously and is suing them saying it's sexualizing um a baby or whatever like yeah it's 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 what you, i had a no, here. No, it was meant no, he said let's really see like he pedophilia said, kind of thing. Yeah, but he said it was thing. meant to be. He said it was meant to be sexual in nature and trigger a visceral sexual response from the viewer. At the time, Kurt Cobain said, I, that, "If you're offended by this, you must be a closet pedophile." Yeah, <laughs> that's what Kurt Cobain said about it at the time. No, if you're, if well, okay, <laughs> that's the whole thing. Like pedophilia is pedophilia back. In ninety, we didn't realize that it was probably as prevalent as it was. Yeah. Now, where it's like, wow, <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, seriously, if you know, if they could go back and kind of you know, put a diaper on the fucker. Yeah, sure. I mean, the I, I didn't. The, how ironic is I, it? I don't. Is I don't the, care that much. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a picture of a of a baby chasing money. Yeah. I mean, the irony of him suing them, <laughs> yeah. of him chasing yes. money. <laughs> it's like, what is he doing? He's chasing it's, money. It's, it's pretty like, artistic. I mean, <laughs> you know, God. It's, also, it's life imitating art, art. It is. The definition of that. <laughs> also, the dude has a Nirvana Nevermind tattoo, and he's recreated the album cover as an adult, obviously yeah. with clothes on. But, like, right. so you have nothing. There's no, <laughs> you have no case here, buddy. No. Like, right. well, I, he I, I try to see what the kid, have- what. I tried to see what what the what the current status is, and I couldn't find. It. Apparently, there's no movement on this case. But he, pro- he does have a bank account, though. <laughs> yeah, he has a bank account. <laughs> yeah, it is hilarious that let's face it, when they decided to put a naked baby on their album cover, they didn't realize that virtually every single household was going to have at least three copies. <laughs> well, of it. yeah, yeah, they probably didn't expect that either. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. It totally, it's like <laughs> indicative of them having no idea what this album was going to do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, this was, you know, this and the Black Album were the, that's the one-two punch that just destroyed yeah. glam. I mean, glam was yeah, like teetering, yeah. and this just went, <laughs> I mean, at the time, at the time, we, you know, with, with Bleach and all that stuff, you know, Nirvana was still calling themselves a punk band. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, we were a punk band. We're yeah. We're trying to, you know, sound like Husker Du, and, you know, 
Put a yeah. naked baby on their cover, and you know, hey, they're on a label, and holy shit, did this thing explode? God, it blew up, and it's weird too because they're not—they are punk-ish, but they're not punk. I mean, uh, no, I mean, they're not—they're not, they're not punk. That's the whole thing. They're—they're they're not punk in in you know, like Sex Pistols or no. even Ramones. They're slower, you know, and all that stuff, but they are. They—they they sound so much like late. Day uh, Husker Du. I mean, mm. you know, listen to Warehouse Songs and Stories, and it's like, oh, that's what Nirvana <laughs> was trying to do. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's. But we'll get into they. They ripped off uh, Killing Joke as well, so we'll talk about them. Doing well, I think that the, the timing was perfect for them too. Like, yeah, it was. They oh, they, was. they were the band perfect. that blew up, but it could have been. I mean, if Nirvana didn't exist, I think it, it could have easily been Pearl Jam that became. Oh yeah. Know, the bigger yeah. band, and I mean, it's I just, mean, it could have been any of those guys. Yeah, yeah. It's just it it happened to be at the time when glam was really had run its course, and yeah, you something know, needed to come out. Yeah, something needed to change. And this was this was it spoke to people, and it still does. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. this the, the lyrics and the, the the music. I mean, it still to this day sells a lot of albums, and it's yeah. people still relate to it and point to it as a as a big influence on them on their adolescence so you know it it speaks to to people somehow <laughs> so. i mean i wouldn't say somehow it, it's not too surprising i mean <laughs> he does he, that's one thing like he doesn't have the uh sincerity i'd say that the vetter had and in, in, in what he was saying and that it seemed as though totally a lot of, different yeah yeah exactly right. the, the, there's a lot of more oddball like kind of bullshit artistry in, mm-hmm. in his lyrics, you know, where you're like, oh, a mulatto, an albino, a mosquito. <laughs> it's like, what the hell is he talking about there? Is he trying to kind of label the, the rest of the band? Is he talking about, you know, government or some bullshit like that? You know, who's to say what the fuck he's talking about? Because he himself, and, and you know, kind of shied away from the, you know, ever answering the question. You know, he, I don't think he really liked yeah. You know, telling people what he was really saying. Because yeah. a I lot agree. of the stuff that he, a lot of the lyrics that he wrote, as cool as they sound, in, in some respects, don't make any sense or really are just words put together. You know? Yeah. Okay, well, should we move on to... I had a couple things on this. Sure, go ahead. Uh, on this particular song. Um... Oh, so we're moving to the tracks, though? Oh, is it, okay. No, we can do that later on if we're yet some well, more yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, we'll wait then on that. I just well, thought we were talking about Teen Spirit in general. But yeah, well, whatever. We can start there, but we got to... Whoa, the tracks. We got <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> there. Now we can move on. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> the yeah, tracks. I have, I have a couple things on Teen Spirit, too. Okay, well, you go ahead, because you probably... You, it may be what I have as well, so... You may, you may have clips that are better than... I do have some clips. Um, okay. So, let me play this first. It's... Um, uh yeah this is it this is the recording of teen spirit and um butch vig talking about uh some of the stuff here coming up here is the beavers it's one of the first vocals that we overdubbed it's the hello hello section you can hear it build in intensity and he morphs the lyrics from hello hello to how low how low Explodes into the chorus. It's fantastic. Dangerous, you and I now. Entertainers, I'm the 
thought that that's was awesome. cool though. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't know about that how low thing until yeah, I was reading no, the lyrics. I mean, I, I've always kind of heard that a little bit, but it was just figuring it's just like, oh, it, it's how it's just coming out. Didn't know it was intentional. Yeah, yeah t- totally intentional. Yep, yep. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I have another isolated clip too if you want to hear it. Yeah. Uh, it's more of the song, but a couple different parts of it isolated. So there you go. In the chorus, we double tracked. They wanted to make it sound more powerful. And he was great at double tracking. He would just run down a take and do another take, and they always locked up really, really well. Here comes the guitar solo. basically cop the vocal melody instead of trying to come up with something punky or frantic or strangle a guitar like he usually did he just cop the exact vocal melody and it's it works really well and then at the end of the solo he lets it feed back into the third verse it's got this great resonant feedback we actually pulled it back in the final mix, but it would have been cool to leave it in there because it's got great overtones right through here. That's so cool. Starts to yeah. bend and morph. Really creepy sounding. That's it, pretty much. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, they are a different sounding band. It does. Oh, for sure. It does stand out as like it's a lot different. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Pearl Jam, and they're completely. I mean, we we said Pearl Jam's not only a grunge band, but I would say like, okay, this band, if you're gonna describe grunge, this, yeah, this is a grunge band. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, which well, let's face it, we've discussed this numerous times. Let's face it, Nirvana came from the punk side of all of it. All of the rest of those guys all came from the metal side of it. How the hell they overlapped into this kind of whatever <laughs> grunge bullshit? Oh, I know. It's really it's, something it's like, like right? Because Soundgarden did, did is more they? like Sabbathy, and yeah, you know what I mean. For sure. So and so is Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. We were just talking about how much Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin. Yeah. Is, yeah it's, kind of, it is interesting. Like all these bands have these different influences of punk, <laughs> classic rock, metal, metal, and then they all submerge, and it's like, oh, it's grunge. Uh, oh yeah, yeah they're all the same thing yeah oh, and you're right. like they're totally different Wait, no, 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 time out. they're from seattle and that <laughs> right that's oh, why yeah that's it <laughs> i guess that means Jimi hendrix is grunge huh i mean that happens with <laughs> you know new metal you know when you have yeah people calling slipknot new metal and you're like so slipknot sounds like lincoln park yeah right right okay yeah okay then so what did you have on this song, Tim? It was just notes from Wikipedia, but it's um, it was included in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's list of the songs that shaped rock and roll. Mm. And in 2001, the RAAA ranked the song at number 80 on their Songs of the Century list. And in 2002, NME ranked the song number two on its list of 100 Greatest Singles of All Time. And Kerrang! ranked it number one on its list of the 100 Greatest Singles of All Time. Oh, wow. Yeah, and Rolling Stone ranked Smells Like Teen Spirit fifth on its list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Wow. <laughs> fifth. That's impressive. Yeah. That's impressive. And this song was inducted in the, into the Grammy Hall of Fame, for whatever that's worth, the Grammys are. 
utter mm-hmm. bullshit. But hey. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I know. for me, well, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. All right. It's it's the song title that I think is is the thing that needs to be brought up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's it, great. It, it, it is great, it, but it, it it's kind of. You know, it's kind of sad. When I first heard the song, it like, smells like teen spirit. I heard what, you know, Kurt was saying, like teen spirit, like <laughs> football games and all that shit. When in fact, let's face it. <laughs> it's about a deodorant. It's a deodorant. <laughs> deodorant, yes. Teen spirit is a deodorant. That I don't know if it still exists. But I don't think so. Another. There's no way. Uh, Kathleen <laughs> Hanna, the lead singer of Bikini Kill, uh, wrote as a joke. Well, oh, let's see here. Um, Toby Vi, uh, Bikini Kill's bass player, was dating Cobain at the time. Uh, so, let's see here. And, and uh, let's see. Oh, oh by Menon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Bikini Kill was on Kill Rock Stars, so they were up there in the, uh, like, around Seattle. Uh, uh, I believe it was Kathleen Hanna wrote it in their bathroom. Oh, really? It smells like Teen Spirit in oh, their wow. bathroom. That's cool. Because she thought that they all smelled like Teen <laughs> Spirit deodorant. <laughs> that's the, that was the thing. And Cobain saw that and was just like, oh, yes, uh, and turned it into the song. And later found out that, you know, what she was actually referencing was the, you know, Deodorant with intellectual yeah, property yeah, yeah. being like the actual <laughs> fresh well, jive scent. <laughs> what do you? What do you? What would you call it otherwise? Though, like you know, entertain us I, or I, I, hello, yeah. hello, how low? Whatever. Yeah. What it, I yeah. I mean, so, I mean, who 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 knows what the fuck the name of the goddamn song? Because smells like Teen Spirit. It's just like when when you say that out loud, you feel that he's talking about what he meant to say, being like the whole bullshit structure of high school kids yeah you know and what it really started off as was the fact that they smelled bad (laughs) and used bad deodorant (laughs) well this says he says oh well whatever never mind it's just like so perfect yeah yeah whatever never mind get it (laughs) i'm gonna play this clip so this is what i was talking about earlier it was from something called top of the pops Oh, and it's, oh, from Britain. Yeah, 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 right. But all the track, like the music is all backing track. And the only thing that's actually live is his vocals. And if you watch the, the YouTube clip, he's playing guitar like this. He's not even moving <laughs> <Yeah>. his arms. <laughs> and I think Chris Novoselic and Dave Grohl actually switch instruments at one point. <laughs> this sounds yes. familiar. Yes, yeah. I think this I've does seen this. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, and, and the vocals are hilarious. <laughs> Having sold over a million records in six weeks, straight in at number nine, here's Nirvana with Smells Like Teen Spirit. Spirit. Fast forward a little bit. Play some of the vocals, Eric. It's like Joy Division or something. Yeah. No, 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 no. He's 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 doing the uh, he's doing Better's Yarl. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. That's typo negative. Oh, yeah. That's what it is. Anyway. That's awesome. I know. I love that. It's like, fuck you guys. That is that is him just saying, fuck you to the industry. Oh, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It's awesome. like, you're not going to let us play? Okay. Well, this is what you're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Do you have All a right. clip of, uh, I don't know if it's a good time to play it or not, but the clip of Dave Grohl talking to Pharrell. Oh, yeah. We could all play that, too. Because uh, I think it's a good time to play it, because yeah. they talk about this song particularly. Yeah, that's good. Here, we'll play that real quick. I wanted to be a drumline. Why not? But I can't read music. I couldn't then. I still can't now. All I wanted to do was be in a line of drummers all playing drums. That was decent. I wasn't, like, your level. Like, Dude, stop saying I'm a good drummer because I'm the most basic fucking drummer. If you listen to Nevermind, the Nirvana record, I pulled so much stuff from the Gap Band and Cameo and Tony Thompson on every one of those songs. All that. That's wow. old. That's old disco. That's all it is. <laughs> Can I not hear that? Nobody makes the connection. That's straight up Gap Band. I told Tony Thompson that came to my house for a barbecue with somebody, and I was like, man, I just want to thank you because, you know, I owe so much. I've been ripping you off my whole life. He goes, I know. Whoa. <laughs> a big disco flam. <laughs> like, it works every time. It's hilarious. <laughs> I wouldn't call his drumming disco on the album, but well, no. But that, no. that oh. ch- 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 yeah. yeah, there's not enough up, upbeat. There's not enough upbeat. Yeah, and then you have to do this <laughs> right now. Hi hat on the whole, whole album. Be hi hat. Sixteenth note hi hat. Yeah, yeah, right. That's disco. All right, should we move on to in bloom? Yeah, bloom, bloom. Uh, so I have a clip of this one too. Let's see. This is um, some more isolated tracks of this is really cool actually. I thought this was awesome. In Bloom is one of the first songs that we cut at Sound City. I was familiar with it because we had actually worked on it for Sub Pop. I thought it'd be good to start with a song at Sound City that I was familiar with, knew the arrangement. And this is basically the setup that we had in the room. If you take some of the tracks out here, if you need this, you could hear the bass and, and the drums. Dave and Chris had a great groove going. That's why we got on the first take. So after we did the basic take and had Kurt's vocal down, uh, we had Dave come in and do harmonies in the chorus, so that was the first thing that we added to the track. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. Their voices sound pretty cool together. Very similar tonal quality. It's Foo Fighters. Yeah. 
Did you know that was Dave Grohl? No, I didn't. It might sound better if they doubled it because it's going to just make it fuller and a little bit richer. So we went back and uh, Kurt did a double track. And again, he didn't like doing double tracks, so I had to use the John Lennon reference. And every, every time he resisted, I said, John Lennon did it. So he'd go, okay. <laughs> That's cool. So that's Kurt doubled. And yeah, Dave. Of course, that sounded good, but then we thought, well, if we get to double Kurt, we might as well double Dave, too. So then we went in. That sounds great. Comes in magnificent yeah, course. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. No idea that was Dave Grohl. No, I heard that. This, and it's awesome. It's like that's Foo Fighters. Oh my god, that's totally that's Foo Fighters. Yeah. <laughs> also, I didn't know he was saying knows not what it means. There, I thought I always thought it was don't know what it means. I don't yeah. know why, but I always yeah. thought it was don't know what it means. But it's knows not what it means. Nah, yeah, I did, yeah, I didn't know that either. So little two words that doesn't really matter. But I just I yeah. always thought it was don't know what it means. Anyway. That was really cool. This is another one that was super overplayed, though. Mm. Yeah, I mean, God, when I played this album, I think there were only like what three songs that you weren't that you hadn't <laughs> heard fifteen billion times. I know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was insane. It was like that was a hit. That was a hit. That was a hit. That was a hit. I was just going through like, holy yeah. shit! This whole yeah. album was just hit after hit after hit. Yeah, I know. God, it's crazy. And some of them probably. Shouldn't have been, you know. <laughs> well, I love the album. I'll, yeah, I'll flat out they, fucking say that. But yeah, they, you know, with a lot of other <laughs> shit that was going on, I mean, god damn it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of singles in this album. Yeah, yeah, a lot. It's like Jesus. I mean, like I, almost the entire album, I think, was played on the radio. Whether it was this album with an acoustic version from the Unplugged thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, jeez. Well, that's what I was saying when we did the Pearl Jam episode. I was saying kind of the same thing. Like, I I wonder if I would have liked this album even more if it hadn't been so overplayed. Like, if some of these songs I hadn't heard a million times, like Lithium, I've heard that song a yeah. thousand well, that was, times. Yeah, because so. we, I don't know if it was like this for you, Keith, but when we got, it was just another album that came out and we just, we just listened to it and it was good. And for, I mean, for like months. Yeah. Because Teen Spirit was a big hit, and then like there were, you know, that was the big hit. And next thing you know, like another one comes out, another one, another. One. And by that time, these other new songs that are the new singles, you're like, oh, that album's like six months old now, right? And, yeah. I, for me, this was, you know, specific tracks, especially you know, video releases on MTV, blew the fuck, you know, blew my man, uh, you know, I, I would mosh on my couches. <laughs> and just you know, jump up and down and be like, ah, because that's just you know, that's where I was in my life. Yeah. But um, this album, I will flat out say, like you know, as soon as this you know started blowing up, I was all on top of it, and I was you know, I dove head first, yeah, with this band. Now, uh, I never got to the point where I went to go buy. Leech, and I definitely, you know, um, I stated in previous episode how I gave up on Pearl Jam, like even before the, <laughs> yeah. that album even lasted. 
This album I, I, I held on to for pretty much the entire wave until I was too cool to be listening to the band. And, uh, <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, like all the... You know, the I, I don't think I listened to Bleach until... The stuff that came out afterwards, I did not ever pick up or, or even listen to. Yeah, I think after Kurt Cobain died, I think I didn't really discover Bleach, because I went in this, like, after he killed himself, I was, like, I went head first and just dove into all their stuff. So oh, I, was, I, yeah, so. I bought it. I think I got it at Tower, but I was quite the shock to the system. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, this does not sound like, never mind at like, all. Yeah, like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was double bass. I mean, we we talked about that album on the previous episode. Yeah, yeah, it's some. It's a heavy album. Yes, it is a heavy album. I mean, it's like whoa, yeah. Um, but yeah, sticking with this album. Um, yeah, you move on to come (laughs) as you are. Yeah, this is the one that has some crazy stuff about uh, them borrowing some. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's it's actually pretty funny. Want me to tell the story? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so um. There's a song called 80s by Killing Joke, which all you have to do really is just play it. Just look up 80s, click up Killing Joke 80s and just play it. And you'll be like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) They they ripped off the entire song? They're basically the opening chord chords. All right, let me do this. Here we go. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah. So come as you I know. I'll <laughs> <laughs> play come as you are. Obviously slower, but Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, hey, you know, every band can use the same key as someone else uses, but still. <laughs> yeah. That's, but I'd never heard that before. That's <laughs> wild. Is, I know. <laughs> this one's a little uh, suspect. How did you discover that? Did you just find it on it's Wikipedia? On, it's on Wikipedia, yeah. Wikipedia. Oh, okay. I was like, what? And then... Um, did he admit to ripping it off? Or yeah, oh, yeah. So, so there's more to it. So this was going to be the second single. And then um, Kurt Cobain was like, uh, that is, it sounds too similar to Killing Joke. <laughs> Killing Joke song. And Killing Joke did complain about it. Uh, oh, wow. Killing Joke, it says, um, they did not file a copyright infringement lawsuit. Uh, however, conflicting reports state that Killing Joke did file a lawsuit that was either thrown out of court or that was dropped following Cobain's death. Uh, Killing Joke's guitar player, Jordy Walker, said that the band was very pissed off about that, but it's obvious to everyone. We had two separate musicologists' reports saying it was mm. the same. Our publisher sent their publisher a letter saying it was, and they went, boo, never heard of you. What? But the hysterical, but the, the, the hysterical thing about Nirvana saying they'd never heard of us is that they'd previously sent us a Christmas card. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. So, so now there's another thing about this. There's a, a song called Life Goes On by the Damned that predates both of these songs and also oh my God. sounds like this. <laughs> so if you look up uh, Life Goes On it. by the Damned, yeah. Is it the same opening riff? I mean, that, that, that is, like, you know, bands can use the same key. Right. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, and it's a somewhat a similar riff. That's not the exact same goddamn no, thing. No, it's, it's not. 
and, but you can see. I would like, I would say Nirvana and Killing Joke is not the exact same. No, it's thing. not. It's not enough to take it to court. I don't think. But it's, no, you know, we're not going to win a lawsuit. Definitely a little. It a was. Little that was like holy little, shit. That's pretty yeah, damn yeah. close. I, that's close. I, mean, I would definitely. And that's a band that you could see Kurt Cobain being into. Killing Joke. Oh, definitely. Hundred <laughs> percent. You know, he was like, I got this riff that sounds like that Killing Joke, and like. <laughs> And it also shows like I don't think they expected this album to do to do this. No, you wouldn't, no, you wouldn't, no, no. You know, you wouldn't be like I get this Killing Joke riff thing, and <laughs> next thing you know, you're selling millions of copies, and they're like, oh shit. Well, they've said that. You know, all the members of the band have said that. You know, they didn't expect. Yeah. Like they knew it was a good album. Like they knew we had some good songs, but no, we had no idea it was going to become this. You know. Yeah. And who who would have? You know. I yeah. How would you know? There's no way yeah. to know that. So <laughs> there was one other thing that says. uh not related to this, but uh, this just shows. So you never noticed that rock radio is sort of they kind of stopped at like two thousand two, two thousand three ish in terms of the music they play. They just were like, we give up. Uh, I think they this is where it stops. Pretty <laughs> much stopped yeah. at nineteen ninety six or <laughs> yeah, well, you might be right because it says so. According to Nielsen Music's year end music report for twenty nineteen, "Come As You Are" was the third most played song of the decade on mainstream rock radio. So that would be from two thousand nine to two thousand nineteen. Oh my Actually, god! Yeah, with one hundred thirty four thousand spins, and then in two thousand nineteen, all of the top songs in the top ten, all the songs in the top ten were from the nineteen nineties. That's ridiculous. All of them. <laughs> I am not surprised. <laughs> not surprised either. DC One One's been playing the same songs for thirty years. Yeah, I mean they really have. It's like I don't listen to DC One One anymore, but the last time I listened to DC One One, I was like, I heard this song in two thousand three, and you guys are playing yeah. it now. Like Jesus. it's insane. Like, yeah, it's crazy. It yeah, I think like they did give up. I think they did give up. They're like, there's nothing. Yeah. Like, what's I don't know. Because I, I, you'll hear like I'm saying two thousand two, two thousand three. Because you'll hear like Lincoln Park. You'll hear yeah. some. It's, it's, it's because it's, it's because what, what's what's ruling the, the the charts right now? What's what what's the most popular kind of music right now? It's not rock. No, you know EDM so. and country. And, yeah, and R and B and rap and yeah. hip hop. You know, well, so, not R and B, but I would say <laughs> hip hop and I don't even know. I'm out of touch. That's yeah, why we have I a just, show about albums from 30 years ago. We are old. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on to breed. Did you have any clips from that one or no? No. no. Okay. It comes yours a great song. We don't really talk about it, but I mean it is. It it's overplayed, but I like it more than the other overplayed song. Like I like it more than Lithium, I like it more than in Bloom. Although now I like it in Bloom a little bit more knowing that Dave Grohl's yeah. doing the backup. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I I'd never known that before. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. Um but yeah, I do like this song. It's got that eerie kind of sound to it. The you know, the killing joke sound to it. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah, and the chorus is great and I mean yeah. This album was full of really good choruses, though. Yes. Yeah. Big, big, big choruses, which I'm always a fan of. So the song Breed, I I don't know. Maybe it's just as loud on the regular, but I listened to the, the Devonshire mix, and the bass is, like, super loud on this version. Let me see if you guys agree with me on this. And maybe it's like this on the... I'll play the other one, too, just to see, but... That bass is like, yeah. Oh, that's really loud. Yeah, the buzz of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's that was never like that on the original. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
I'm gonna play the original here. Yeah. And see if there's a difference. I think there is, but maybe I'm wrong. That's pretty loud. Yeah. Huh. I guess I just never noticed it. Before. Yeah. That's weird that we wouldn't have noticed it, but. So this is the song where he says, I'm afraid of ghosts. I never know. <laughs> Like, what? I'm afraid of ghosts. <laughs> I know. Like what? That's what the lyrics say. I didn't know that. No. That's the whole thing. Like he says words, and, you know, you have to use English, I guess. That's why you speak. But I don't believe there's a whole lot underneath what he's saying. You know, he's, he's just saying, I'm afraid of ghosts. <laughs> and maybe he is possible he's afraid he of ghosts? wasn't afraid of ghosts. He's uh-huh. just saying that because that <laughs> kind of fit the lyric that he was throwing together. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I guess maybe you could say I, I just don't see as much meaning behind what he says as maybe what... The rest of the world kind of yeah. sucked in and, and yeah. saw, and I, I would be surprised if you know it was all a, a big joke. Just you know, he wrote lyrics to to make it sound like it didn't make any sense or something. Yeah, he did. He yeah, he you intentionally know, very... made them confusing. Yeah, to make people be like, "Wow, man." <laughs> I'm a mosquito. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, yeah. Ah, you fucking. You know. Well, right. everyone interprets songs their own way. Yeah. There was a clip floating around recently of Kelly Clarkson interviewing Dave Grohl about the song Learn to Fly. And she was like, I love it because it's like, and I don't know if this is what you were talking about, but, you know, you're like going outside yourself and you're learning these new things and you're just experimenting. And he's like, actually, at the time, I really just wanted to learn how to fly. <laughs> like I was interested in airplanes and I wanted to learn how to fly an airplane <laughs> and she's like oh <laughs> that's awesome I know it literally is called learning to fly yeah. <laughs> because I was interested in learning about planes <laughs> anyway well, anyway this song Breed I, it's one of my favorites on the album I love this song yeah it's a great song and this is not one of the ones that was a single, so it's not super over. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those this is one of those albums that I'm not sure what my favorite song is on it. There's so many good ones, but all of them are overplayed so much that I like I can't you know. Yeah, I do have a favorite. But I'll let you know when we get to that. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it is hard to pick one. Yeah, and it's it's that again, it's that whole half of these are singles things like if yeah. they weren't overplayed so much maybe I'd like it a little more yeah. so yeah. speaking of which Lithium is the next song <laughs> well on Breed apparently Cobain recorded full vo- four vocal takes for the song and he blew his voice out attempting mm. it not surprising so the first take on the song is the master oh really yeah wow yeah that's crazy yeah well he <laughs> his singing style was not yeah 
a lot of screaming. So a lot of screaming. Not surprising. So lithium. My first note on this song is lithium is an antidepressant drug, but this is a very poppy and happy sounding song. <laughs> yeah. You know? It is. You're right. So just thought that was funny. Uh but yeah, I've already said this. Overplayed. Um this song was I actually put it in here. And <laughs> they played this song on DC one oh one every hour on the hour between nineteen ninety two and two thousand two. <laughs> so there you go. Well, I mean, the big thing for me, um, lithium sucks because lithium, the actual element, sucks oxygen into itself. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I did a little uh, project on that in my uh, junior year in chemistry. So oh, okay. lithium sucks oxygen. There you go. <laughs> we'll play a little bit of this. Everybody knows this song, but. Yeah. The other thing about this that I noticed, it's. Basically, the same song twice. Like it's the first half of the song is the exact same as the second half of the song. They just repeat it. Hmm. So yeah. you, you could cut the song in half, and it's the same as that song. They just. They I, I think it. it's intentional. I mean, it's, I mean, it, I think it is about like the whole like repetitiveness of. I mean, I'm not no, like I've just been laughing at like, oh, he, his lyrics mean nothing, but. I feel like the structure right, no, of the song saying. is supposed to be about like, hey, we're all fun and happy because <laughs> drugs yeah. prescribed by our psychotherapist. It's another big chorus. Yep. This is uh, probably one of the easier drum songs of the album, right? Yeah, you know what's weird about that is apparently, I have something about that with the drums. Um, this is weird, but preliminary attempts at recording the song's instruments were unsuccessful on this song, in part because the band was having a difficult time maintaining a steady tempo and kept speeding up. Yeah. <laughs> and, That's, uh, yeah. yeah. And then after one failed take, the band abandoned the song as a frustrated Cobain began playing the song Endless Nameless instead, which is the but oh, the bonus that. track, the hidden track, <laughs> sucks. Yeah, I know. and that that is actually the version that ends up that is on the album. Oh, really? That's the frustrated Cobain because he's pissed off that they couldn't get this song right. That's what you're hearing at the end of this album. Is oh, really? Because they couldn't get. <laughs> yeah. Um, the reason they got it right was because they got Dave Grohl in the band. Oh, okay. So they said the problems, the band's timing problems, were immediately solved when the new drummer Dave Grohl took Vig's place. Vig's advice to play a metronome to play with a metronome. No, oh, okay. and then Vig also advised Grohl to use simpler drum fills and patterns. No, they are very simple. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of funny, though. We didn't that's really cool. talk about the like musicianship of this album. We weren't written into the tracks, but I mean, we talked. You know, we had the clip of Grohl talking about how he ripped off, <laughs> yeah, Gap Band, and you know, but. uh I mean, from a guitar player perspective, there's not. I think Cobain was an awesome songwriter, but I don't think he was an awesome guitar player. Like, no, no, no one's gonna say one of the best guitarists ever. (laughs) But, uh, but I like the way he blends. You know, the guy can write a riff. Yeah, the guy can write a hook. I mean, that's that's the one thing. Writing a riff is one thing. 
getting a hook down. Mm-hmm. Something Putting that everyone would be like, to, yeah. Mm. yeah. And, you know, when you hear it, you don't even need to know what the lyrics are. You can just make yeah. them up, you know. Well, that's, that's for me, like, when I try to write a song, that's probably the hardest thing. Like, I can write riffs all day, but how do you come yeah. up with a good melody that's so hooky and, like, you know, <sighs> that goes over? Like, that's, we were talking about Pearl Jam. It's, you, you send a guy a tape and he comes back with all these different hooks and melodies and all these, it's crazy. I don't know. It's insane. Anyway. But that's why a good songwriter will. It's not insane. Will, 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 it it uh, happens. It's, you know, it's, it's awesome that it does and we should enjoy that. And sorry. People are born Eric with and talent. Tim. And myself, we suck, and we're never going <laughs> to do it ourselves. Never? I'm 46. It's never going to happen. I mean, you can <laughs> go ahead and go for it, man. But uh, I, got, I, I got some bad news. Oh, I should give up on that dream? Yeah. Okay. I mean, hey, hey, let's face it. Everybody, keep creating music till, the, till you fucking die if you can. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I understand that. The probability of you baking big and actually making any money off of it ain't going to yeah. happen. Especially yeah, if you're not attractive. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. These days, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a good uh, example of a good si- songwriting yeah. being more impactful than just somebody you can wank. Talent. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. he's, he's not a talented guitarist, but God damn it, he could fucking. Well, and you could too. say the same thing about Novoselic. He's not like the best bass player ever, but he writes some cool bass lines to go with yeah. these songs. I do enjoy like listening to yeah. some of these isolated tracks. I'm like, I never noticed that. That's really cool. Like he wrote some pretty cool bass lines for this stuff. Yeah. So, and he threw his bass in the air and himself himself broke his own nose. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking idiot! Um, Polly is the next song. I do have some clips on this one. Okay. Um, more isolated. I, I always love this one. When I first heard it, it was just like so demented, you know. Oh God, yeah. And it was just like, oh yeah. Oh, and well, let's play this. One. I didn't like. I knew roughly what Polly was about, but I like the song a little more now that I know exactly what the story is behind it. So I'm gonna play this clip. Tell the story. I'm going to. Polly was written about a real incident that happened. A young woman was at a show at the Community World Theater. I don't think it was a Nirvana show, but was kidnapped and tortured, and it was an article that was in the Tacoma paper. She decided to come on to the guy and to start seeing him as a person, and that's when he took his guard down and she got away. And I remember Kurt, when he read that in the newspaper, was that really hit, hit him. Like, it was really profound. He's like, wow. The most remarkable thing about Polly is that, you know, he takes the point of view of the torturer. Um, you know, Polly is an amazing song. You look at that song and consider that being released on such a commercial record. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was about like a rape or something, but I didn't know the whole story behind that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. I I knew, like you, I knew it was about some kind of rape, torture, fucked up situation. I didn't know that actually had taken place in jail. Yes, I didn't know it was actually based on a true story. (laughs) Yeah. Shit. I figured you guys, Kurt Cobain, he probably made that shit up. Right. He's fucked up, but. So now you got Jeremy over here with Pearl Jam. And yeah. with Nirvana. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
both single humanity yeah. is fucked up. So. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple isolated things on this one too. I'll play those real quick. Some isolated bass. But first I'm gonna do the isolated vocals. Holly is one of the songs that was actually recorded at Smart Studios that was going to be for the sub pop album and ended up uh going on to Nevermind. It's the only song that was done here that made it on to Nevermind. The song is very spare and it's very haunting. Um sometimes the quietest songs become the most intense. Okay, we're rolling. A little bit of a false start. You can hear how cheap the guitar sounds. But his voice sounds fantastic. Think I should get off her first. Think she wants some water. To put out the blow. Went back and added a harmony in the chorus. Isn't me? Have a seat. Let me clip. There was a great singer. Let me take a ride. Cut yourself. There's a mournfulness in there. It comes across. Myself, got some rope, haven't told. Promise you, haven't true. Let me take a ride, cut yourself. Wants a mouth, please myself. That's like the only time you hear actual vocal mel- or vocal harmonies on. I mean, the harmonies on the other songs are kind of more screamy. Yeah, but this is some really good vocal harmonies. That that uh, guitar apparently was a a uh, five string Stella guitar that he purchased from a pawn shop for twenty bucks. <laughs> nice. And he didn't even bother changing the strings. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I don't understand. It's a five string. Like what? Uh, maybe it's missing a string. Well, why don't we just just popped off? I guess, right, probably. I know. Yeah, what probably. is there such thing as a five string? I mean, I don't think so. Ba- Banjos have five strings. Have five strings but I yeah, know. I don't know. Hey, yeah, a banjo is a very, very different. Yeah. Oh, I tried learning banjo once. It's oh, it was yeah, not, I, I, it was I not what I was expecting. Yeah. I'm yes. like, uh, no, I'll pass. <laughs> yeah, that's all old school finger picking, and you got to finger be picking, precise. and that that top string is like halfway up the neck, and then it yes. stops. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it's really weird. Anyway, oh, that's. T- oh. Here's some isolated bass for you on Polly. Enjoy this. WCC. Underneath the guitar and the vocals, Chris's bass is just giving a cool little pulse. Keeps the track moving. There's no drums really except for the cymbal and hand percussion overdubs. That's true. There is no. I didn't think about that, but there's, the drums are like a cymbal here and there. Psh, yeah. <laughs> Although there is a um, a punk punk version of this song that was on Incessant. Oh, big surprise! <laughs> it's a minute. The song about raping is. <laughs> it's actually uh, for a while I liked this version better because it was like, oh, this is heavy and it's not acoustic because that's stupid, but. Here, I'll play a little bit of this for you. Probably wants a cracker. I think I should get out for first. Maybe she wants some water to put out the blowtorch. Isn't 
The drums were awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not as impactful, I don't think, as the, no. the original, but it's what, kind of cool. What's that from? Is that on some sort of... That's on Incesticide. Oh, okay. Yeah. It may have been a so B-side, long. too. I'm not sure. It probably was. Yeah. God, when's the last time you played Incesticide, like, front to oh, back? Oh, I don't know. I think I had that on <laughs> CD, but... <laughs> I haven't... Yeah. Somewhere. Never. I have... <laughs> <laughs> I... Front to back? Yeah. 95, maybe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Uh... Anything else on this one you guys have? Mm. Mm, no, just the, the fact that it was recorded uh, <clears throat> in April 1990 is kind of interesting. And then they, they, I guess they recorded a bunch of stuff in, in 1990 that they did, and they eventually re recorded it later on. Yeah, they talk about that on that special I watched. It was, uh, and that's, I think, Butch Vig alludes to it in one of the clips I was playing earlier. Was like yeah. Sound Sound City, I think, is where they were originally. Yeah, recorded. this yeah. was one of the only surviving recordings from that session. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Because it was going to be on Sub Pop, and then I guess the whole thing. Was oh right, they got signed to DMG. Was it Geffen? Mm-hmm. Geffen. Yeah, it was Geffen. Yeah. yeah, Geffen. Yeah, and they just redid. You know, redid the whole thing. So, yeah. All right. Um, Territorial pissings. Come on, I don't have any clips on this one, but. Oh, wait. So let me stop because that's the album version, but this is the Devonshire mix version. Oh, yeah. This goes right into it. Yeah. Kind of like that better. Yeah, I like that better. Yeah. I don't. I mean, what's the what's the point of that? I don't know. Do think? I think it was they were trying to mock the whole uh, '60s love and peace thing. Yeah. I imagine he blew his voice on this song too. <laughs> he probably did. <laughs> this God. is one of the best songs on the album, I think. Actually, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I love that song. Just the aggression and just you can you know Dave Grohl is just destroying his drums. On yeah. Oh yeah, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can you can hear it. Yes. Wasn't the Devonshire mix? I, I know when we we listened to that the other day, the drums were sort of taken down on the mix, and I was shocked. I'm like, why would you turn the drums down in that song? Yeah. That's crazy. Those yeah. should be really loud in that song, like mm-hmm. as loud as anything else. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was the one I was just playing, so I don't know. This is a little lower. The guitar is super loud in <laughs> yeah. The guitar and vocals are like you know, overpowering almost. It's almost, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's intentional. I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay, That's so the, ne- the next song is my favorite on the album, actually. Really? Yes. Right. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, this, it's, I don't know. I just, I love the, the chorus is great. The breakdown in the middle is really awesome. Just, 
Yeah, I'll play a little bit of that actually. The drums are really cool too. Yeah. It's one of those that's really fun to drum along to in the car. Yeah. Never knew what he was singing right here. No. Chew your meat for you. Never knew. <laughs> Chew your meat for you. Pass it back and forth in a passionate kiss from my mouth to yours. I like you. Gross. <laughs> I mean, is that supposed to be artistic? I mean, I guess. It's, it's disgusting. Is, is that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to chew my food into your mouth. <laughs> no. <laughs> Who the? Okay. Shocking. <laughs> Absolutely gross. Let me find that breakdown in the middle. There's so much going on there. That's yeah. I love that song. It's great. I kind of want to learn it on guitar. I'm sure it's like, pretty simple. Smells uh, like Teen yeah. Spirit's the only song I ever learned on this <laughs> album. Yeah, I'm sure most of this album is pretty straightforward, actually. But it's a funny, like, you know, when I was in jazz band, I guess my sophomore year, uh, uh, we're all sitting there, you know, warming up, whatever. A guitar player starts playing this song, and I had tried to teach. It's the one thing. My ear sucks. So I kind of was trying to figure this one out. And he starts this thing up. Drummer breaks in. So I'm like, I got to. So I start <laughs> playing what I think the song is. <laughs> and it falls to fucking shit. Like in a matter of like, you know, 20 seconds. And like, you know, the guitar player's like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, I, uh, <laughs> It's one thing, like, you fucking guitar players, you have your chord, so you're, you know, whatever. I'm just playing specific notes. If I'm not playing a specific note in a goddamn chord <laughs> that he's playing, it's going to sound bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently some of the sounds that were used in the interlude of that song yeah. were made uh, with a squeaky mouse and rubber duck toys that Cobain had, <laughs> and That's the rubber funny. duck toy ended up on the back cover of the insecticide album. Oh yeah, okay. remember there's that duck 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Huh, that's funny. There you go. And also There's Cobain all- loved that album or loved that song, apparently. They uh, they opened with it a lot. Like I had I had a few bootlegs of them back in the day and they opened with that song a lot. So mm-hmm. I you think like on it. I have well, I have two over there, but I think on both of them they opened with that song. So huh. yeah. That's a great song. Yeah. The next song, I often forget about this one. Lounge Act. Yeah. yeah. It might be like the least best or worst on the album. I'm not sure, but yeah. When I played this album, I was like, "What song is this again?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll play a little bit of it." Yeah. I love the bass. Yeah. yeah. I do like. When it goes into the heavier part and it goes up on his voice goes up an octave. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. cool. Again, it's not a bad song. I just kind no. of forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. smell her on you right there yeah and i was i never knew he said that <laughs> what? oh my god smell her on you yeah yeah i don't know what i thought he said but i, I just yeah i had no idea and he says uh, i thought it was smell on you <laughs> that sounds what it is that sounds like what it is yeah, it, yeah i know smell and he says fucking this song <gasps> language i i mean i didn't even know there was a fuck on this album what what part is that i can't believe says, there is I know. Well, there is. He says, I'll, he says, I'll keep fighting. <laughs> he says, I'll keep fighting jealousy until it's fucking gone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was that the first, first verse? It's, or? it's the, it's the second verse. Okay. Don't tell me what I want to hear. Afraid of nothing. Afraid of net. Yeah. Yep. Never knew. Nope. And I'll fast forward a little bit. Yeah, that's where it gets really good. Yeah. I have anything on this one specifically. It's yeah, the, it's like a one-two punch of 
of yeah. songs that are like. But, I mean, the chorus. The chorus is kind of driving. It's just like you know, very yelly. And yeah, uh, uh, I mean, it's it's definitely. I'd, I'd say when it comes to this album, it's one of the lesser of the songs, but it's still yeah. not that bad. I mean, no, it's good. I mean, it's it's good. It's just there's there's these if there's if there's two songs it'd be lounge act and uh stay away where you're like they're you know they're a yeah. little bit lower i mean they're lower they're b-side exactly yeah you know, just but i mean I, I i love the intensity of, of of stay away yeah no i like this song a lot I mean, actually. Yeah, the chorus yeah. chorus is just you know it's straightforward fucking screamy <laughs> and fast yeah. and uh <laughs> Well, this is one of those ones where you can see an angst-ridden teenager being like, "Yeah, stay away!" Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'll play a little bit of that. Yeah, play the chorus. Yeah, I mean that's pretty straightforward. That's, yeah, <laughs> no. it's good though. Yeah, there's a couple of clips I haven't played yet that were more about, um, not so much about songs, but more about like, um, like Kurt Kurt's uh, writing process. Um, we didn't really talk about that either, but I thought I those would, were kind of interesting. Let's let, let's hear a little bit of that. Yeah, I'm uh, curious. Okay, here you go. As an artist, I think sometimes writing is a form of therapy, and I think Kurt had a lot of demons inside him, and that was one way of kind of getting things out of his system. And a lot of them, I think, were just about how he felt about life, and and even though you couldn't quite tell what he was singing about, you knew it was intense as hell. Kurt used to say that music comes first and lyrics come second, and I think Kurt's Kurt's main focus was melody. Which makes sense. I mean, we were talking about yeah. that earlier about how he writes these melodies and these hooks that are just so good, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Super catchy. Here's a, speaking of which, here's another one talking about how it's intensity of the heavy music, but these hooky if melodies. Music could change anyone's opinion. It had to, you know, you needed a tune. You needed melodies to make people's heart dance. You know, he really genuinely believed that. His plan was, you know, or his vision was, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my art, you know, um, palatable to reach enough people to where I can actually affect something. I think that's one of the reasons Kurt wanted the record to sound heavy, was because he knew the songs were really hooky. They were really poppy. Lots of pop melodies. And he didn't want it to come across as sounding too poppy. So if the guitars are roaring and really thick and really heavy and the drums are pounding, that dichotomy, I think, would work for him. It kind of it plays in what we're saying, too. Like, it's just, you know, some of the sometimes you don't know what the hell he's talking about or what he's singing about. But yeah. it's, it's so catchy. It's intense and it's catchy as hell. Yeah. 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 So. And it's still, I mean, the, the riffs are still pretty heavy on this album. Mm-hmm. Here and there. But then they're also kind of poppy in a way. Yeah, I don't know about Polly or uh, something. <laughs> well, not way, those, but but, the, <laughs> but yeah, but here and there, there are some heavy riffs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and he, you know, John Lennon was like a huge influence for for uh, yes. Kurt Cobain, and that's yeah. 
I mean, what other band wrote more poppy and catchy songs than the Beatles? You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I can see why, like, okay, I want to write these Lennon McCartney esque songs, but I don't want them to be pop. You know? Yeah. So yeah, you want a more edge to them. So yeah. I mean, let's face it. He fucking you know got straight A's across the board on that. No, oh, yeah. You know, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, on a plane is next. Great song. I actually covered this song with Mr. Fister. We, huh. did, we did two Nirvana songs. I sang both of them. Um, Which one? This, wait, wait, wait. How many Mr. Fister songs didn't you sing? Besides that one, uh, you let Joe do one of the. Uh, oh, I didn't. No, I mean, I, I only sang like half the Mr. Fister. Songs. I didn't sing. Our drummer sang some. Tom Coleman sang some. Oh. Uh, we had a good mix of everyone singing singing songs. That um, is right. I do remember your drummer singing. Yeah. So anyway, we did this song. This is a drop D song, actually. Oh. Yeah. Good song. Yeah, it's a really good song. I remember when we brought I brought this song to Mr. Fister and <laughs> Mike Ross was not a big Nirvana fan. Oh. Um yeah, and he was like, uh I was like, I want to do a Nirvana song. He's like, Oh, just say it's not lithium. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't want to do lithium. And he, and I showed him I was like, actually this song's pretty kick ass. I'm like, I know. <laughs> Play the entire album. Don't just listen don't judge the entire this album of lithium and yeah. scene spirit. Anyway, yeah. It's a fun one to play. Those backing vocals are Dave Grohl again. Oh yeah, that makes sense. That, that little humming part. Yeah, I think. And on, let's see, this Devonshire mix. It it's a little different at the end too, if I remember correctly. Let yeah, it's a little that. bit different. Yeah, I actually cool. like that better. I do too. And on the album, it's just one. It right? just fades just, out, I think. Or maybe it's just one, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just one. And that was, I'm reading about it now. It's um, apparently that was a, so obviously uh, Butch Vig, because that's his mix. Yeah. Like that, repeating it four times, a cappella. But Cobain, like just hearing it one time. Oh. So Cobain got that one wrong. Sorry, Cobain. Got it wrong. Yeah, that's just well, one time. Uh, okay. you can't really sell that to him anymore. Cause no, I can't. He's dead. <laughs> no. well, yeah. you, can, you can call it Bitch Vig. Bitch Vig. Yeah. Bush. yeah. You were right, Vig. Bush. You were right. 
By the way, we didn't say this, but this album pretty much gave Butch Vig a career, right? I mean, I know he would have been producing albums otherwise, but yeah. like, would Garbage have existed if he didn't produce this album? You know what I mean? Like, probably not. Right. So, like, yeah, I think he can thank Nirvana. Yeah. For his career, for sure. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Cheers to him. Yeah. Uh, not not a huge way. garbage fan, but you know, hey, I'll, I'll respect it. <laughs> you can tell it's an Andy Wallace um, production as well. Yeah, it's got that sound. Yeah, it's got that Andy Wallace. I don't even know what you what you'd call his how you describe his sound, but there's just this. I don't know, something to it. Yeah. Yeah, so something in the way is the last track. There's some really cool stuff I want to play on this one, actually. Um, I don't know if you've heard this story or not before, but how it was actually recorded. Well, it's not really the last track. Well, okay. <laughs> the the one before the hidden track that no one ever actually plays. Yeah, <laughs> this is really cool. I like this a lot. So check this out. Something in the way was definitely the hardest track to record. In, never mind. After three or four takes of trying to cut it live in the main room, um, it just wasn't happening. And Kurt came into the control room. Out of frustration, he sat on the couch and he basically said, it needs to sound like this. He laid in his back and he started playing the guitar and he was barely singing. It was coming out at almost a whisper. I was like, okay, stop, stop, stop. And I quick grabbed a couple of mics and plugged them in. I unplugged the phone. I turned the fans off in the tape machine. And said this is it just do what you think you need to do right now and I literally held my breath for three minutes while he sang it I mean it was so quiet and yet it was so powerful and that was the core of the track that's awesome it's very mournful very quiet Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. He went on to say there's a more for that. And he was saying that it was really hard for uh, Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic like, to record the music because there was no, like, you record a song, usually you got a, you got a drum beat to go to, yeah. you know. But there was no click track. There was nothing. So they had to go based off of just what he was playing on guitar. <laughs> um, and then there's a cello piece, too. And the cello was, the cello was had the same, yeah, the same the, problem. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> it's like trying to play along to that, but there's no, yeah, there's no timing. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so, yeah, yeah. Um, there's also apparently there's a, a debate. You know, that first line of the song is underneath the bridge, and there's actually a bridge that there that he's referring to that was just down the street from the house he grew up in, and <clears throat> people like he apparently he actually lived under the bridge, but most journalists say he didn't actually live. <laughs> like most people who studied Kurt Cobain don't I say that he never actually was homeless and lived under a bridge but yeah but uh yeah great closing track I mean I know the hidden track I well the hidden track we should play the hidden track we, we should I mean it's I just to get so. some reference <laughs> alright fine what did that drop I mean <laughs> let's face it there's more distortion <laughs> More distortion of this song than anywhere else in the album. Yeah. That's the heaviest song on the album. Oh, Easily. Yeah. <laughs> and time. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm sorry. I hear this. All I think is, wow, 
They wrote a Melvin song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. like something we would have done in I totally fucking does. Mama Waldy or something. That's what I was thinking too. Oh, like, <laughs> just fucking right up Nirvana did it, so you guys are just like Nirvana. Yeah. <laughs> except you're broke and uh Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't live off royalties of one of the greatest selling songs ever. Yeah. <laughs> um all right, well there's there's a couple more tracks of uh, clips I want to play just of um this is more like reactions of this album kind of blowing up so it changed uh the entire look of mtv it made the band successful and you know it helped them sell a lot of records but it made mtv very successful it gave them a whole new platform to work from and a whole new set of you know a whole new generation to like sell to i don't think it was cynical and you know the, the media got it all like cynical grungy ooh, despair but it wasn't. It was just a shot of life. And I think that is what everyone responded to. Sometimes you'd show up to a gig and there'd be an extra couple hundred people outside hoping they could get in. And the shows became more and more chaotic. It was just one of those things that happens maybe once every generation. It's just, just this, this role, this, this momentum, you know, word of mouth. You know, you must hear this band Nirvana. Never mind the fact that they had actually been playing for years. They had made records. In terms of who knew them at one point and how everyone knew them at the next one, it literally was overnight. Yeah, it was yeah. fast. It was it was fast. It was. Shit. Yeah, blew up. Yep. I mean that. <laughs> from that clip I just played Dave Grohl talking about sometimes you show up to a gig and there'll be 200 people and then it's like it triples in the size like yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine you know like one one hey. month you're playing for a tiny club and the next month you're playing in a fucking arena you know uh, I mean? when, when I showed up and had 200 people fucking A that was like <laughs> those were the biggest <laughs> nights of my life yeah I think that's probably showing up and having 2,000 <laughs> yeah it's just, yeah I played one show. I played, I believe, we have no idea what the numbers were. It was in Front Royal. All the bands played on the back of a truck. But we have no idea how many people were there because, you know, somebody just, you know, was collecting money but not really taking any tabs. But yeah, well, fuck it. We're talking about goddamn Nirvana right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Well, they, they were they were gonna. Well, Guns N' Roses wanted them to be on that Guns N' Roses Metallica tour. Oh, that's right. And <laughs> and uh, wait, I figured they probably didn't want to open it, right? No, Kurt, uh, uh, Kurt Cobain said I'd play any stage anytime with Metallica, but I will not share a stage with Axl Rose. <laughs> awesome. Period. <laughs> it's like fuck you, I'm not doing it. So we did get a little bit of feedback from this episode. Um, our friend Greg Gonzalez, who has been on the show a couple of times, um, he had a really cool story about about them. So I'll read this for you real quick. This is what Greg sent me. He said, uh, in the summer of 91, my brother came back from high school, or I'm sorry, from school in L.A. and brought the new Nirvana Bleach album and a bunch of West Coast music. We were anticipating the new Nirvana album when school started in the fall. 
The DJ at the rock club I used to hang out at in college got an early release of Teen Spirit, but she was not allowed to play it in the bar because management said it was too metal. Whoa. <laughs> About oh, six you, months later. You got to hear that now, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> About six months later, after the video hit, you know what happened. Luckily, I saw them in New York City about four or five days after the album came out. Uh, although it was sold out, I was, it was a club show and I got up front for the whole thing. And I have Dave Grohl's drumsticks from that show. And he sent me some pictures. He's got in a shadow box, he's got Grohl's drumsticks, a ticket. And actually, there, he said, she sent me another picture of, it was like Spin or one of those magazines for, at that show. And you can see him literally right up front. Oh wow! Like right next to Dave, right next to uh, Kurt Cobain. Man, man, Can you imagine four four days Shit. after the album comes out, and you're at some tiny club in New York City, God. getting to see them. Hey, lucky bastard! Some people, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, it's luck. Right he knew, place, right time. He knew. Right he knew. Time, yeah. yeah, he, he yeah. knew before we did. You know, he probably listened to Bleach. Yeah, none of us fucking had did. it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah. He probably yeah. would have if there had been a video or something or hey, some way of knowing hey, about it. But whatever, he had no idea. Whatever. We didn't. He did. No. Cheers to that motherfucker, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's one more thing I want to play. Sorry. This is going back to, to um, Teen Spirit. This is from a live show in Reading, I think. And listen to the song they play <laughs> instead of Teen Spirit. This is pretty funny. I think you both know this song. Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I never That's realized awesome. that the riff was that similar there, but I know, I know. it's weird. It's wow. really close. Yeah. <laughs> that is really close. Yeah. I'm sure they, they discovered that too and were like, maybe we should play that. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean that man. I mean, I, I still remember uh seeing Beck I don't know what year it was, but you know, like the entire crowd's like, play loser, loser, loser. And oh, he's just like, course. no, you're saying music, music. <laughs> one way or another, you know, he did one encore and then got the fuck out because he was pissed off because everyone was yelling for the, the song. Uh, but I would love, I would love to no. think, exactly. But I would love to think that, you know, Nirvana would just, anytime that they were playing with a crowd that didn't, fucking get it which was probably every single fucking night yeah, but probably. one way or another they would just break into that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean yeah you know they wouldn't play that song and then all of a sudden start playing and everybody like all oh, right here it is and then they realize wait this isn't <laughs> that song <laughs> it would have been brilliant 
Oh yeah. I think I think they purposely played it super fast near the end of their career, near like before he died. But I don't know if you noticed at the end of that clip, it was like super fast, and I think it they was, purposely yeah. played it just yeah. to get it over with. They're like, well, fuck it, <laughs> this song's gonna be like two minutes long, so we just get it, get yeah. the fuck over with. Had to be so sick of it. And all of the, uh, yeah, the crowd was like, oh my God, they rocked out so hard. They sped it up. <laughs> right. It was the greatest. <laughs> it's, they're really trying like, to make uh, it better. No, yeah. no, no. So sick mm. of it. The truth is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're just tired of that song. <laughs> yeah, we are sick of it. Okay. Uh, should we grade this thing? And um, yeah, I am not going to be too surprised at our. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, it's an A for me. Yeah, it's an A. Yeah, I'm gonna go A too. I'm not gonna go A plus, but I'm gonna go A. No, no. not A plus. I think the Pearl Jam album is better than this. I yeah, I think so too. I'm gonna say that as well. I mm-hmm. am really surprised to say that. Uh, yeah, I think so. God. And also, believe it or not, I think I like In Utero better than this album. Believe it or not, I need to listen to In Utero again. I but need I, to listen to wrong. In Utero. Once. Once. <laughs> <laughs> well, in 93, if we do 93, you'll... Yeah. We'll do Soon, enough. Soon enough. Soon enough. Yeah, that's right. Well. All right, well, next episode, I don't know what we're talking about. We got a lot of the 91 albums left still. Uh, we got Forced Entry. We got Mr. Bungle. We've got Guns N' Roses. We've got... You're going to have to wait. <laughs> Chili Peppers. Chili Peppers. Yeah. So. You're going to have to wait five more years. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm <laughs> doing that. Move, push move these on. albums. We're gonna get to ninety two stuff. Also, 92? I know, yeah. I know. We can't, yeah, we can't delay too much because we still got ninety two. No. Anyway, uh, all right, cool. Well, for uh, Tim and for Keith, this is Eric saying, "Thank you, and good fucking night. happy fucking New Year." Energy, energy, aggression, power. To sum it up, it's a vulgar display of power. Heavy metal speaks to the anger and despair of teenagers today, the same way that the blues used to speak to the despair and anger of the South. Cutting out, cutting out big time. They are miserable slaves of Satan. Some country coding.